accidents just happen? I ought to know. The Outline World Dispatch. It's Thursday, May 18th, 2017. I'm Andy Martino. Today in the Dispatch, Adrian Jeffries on Chelsea Manning's release from prison. She became an activist in a way that she was hoping would be very private. And Derek Gallo on a mysterious band. Our discussion proved to be just as confusing as Shinobi Ninja's social media strategy. And William Turton with an update on last week's ransomware hack. Utilized an exploit that was designed by the National Security Agency. Here's the dispatch. Power. Yesterday, Chelsea Manning, the Army private who spent seven years in prison for leaking classified information to WikiLeaks, was released from prison. Adrian Jeffries joins us now to talk about what's next for Chelsea. So Chelsea Manning released from prison today. Can you just give us a quick overview on what she did to get herself in prison in the first place back when she was Bradley Manning, of course? Right. So Chelsea Manning was the source of a bunch of WikiLeaks information including the collateral murder video. That's how it was billed by WikiLeaks. This was a video of a strike, an airstrike from a U.S. helicopter in Iraq in 2007. And the strike killed two Reuters journalists. And the footage also made it seem like it might have been an unnecessary use of force. Basically, she she just gave a bunch of classified information to WikiLeaks that she obtained as a private in the U.S. Army. So the Obama administration initially prosecuted very aggressively, and then Barack Obama himself, at the end of his term, cut, was it 28 years off of Chelsea's sentence by commuting it? Yes. So she spent seven years in prison, and President Obama commuted her sentence chopping 28 years off. She was going to get 35 years. That was an unprecedented sentence, the longest ever handed down in a case uh, involving the leak of U.S. government information um, for the purpose of whistleblowing. So it was a very long sentence, and the White House, when Obama commuted her sentence, said basically she did due process, she served some time, she has remorse and understands that she did wrong, which Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure Um, she would totally agree with that. But But she'll take it. So there have been a lot of challenges, obviously, for Chelsea Manning since the imprisonment. She's transitioned in terms of gender, uh, tried to commit suicide on two occasions. Uh, What will she be doing now, and what do we know about what she'll be doing going forward with her life? Will she continue to engage publicly on the issues that, you know, landed her in prison in the first place? Yeah, so... She did suffer a lot in prison. She had two attempts to kill herself, which, you know, brought in a lot of public sympathy, especially since a lot of people thought that information she revealed was important for the public interest. She has some support. There's a GoFundMe campaign that's been going that was started by her lawyer, and it's raised over $150,000. So she has some funds to take care of her cost of living as soon as she gets out. She also has tweeted about how now she's looking for health care. So it's lucky that she has that little bit of margin um, so that she can ease back into civilian life, which is never easy for anyone. And by tweeting so soon after release, that's obviously not a private act for somebody with a high profile like that, too. So that's I don't want to read too much into it, but that seems to signal that there'll be some engagement with the public. 
No. I think people expect that she will speak out on LGBTQ issues. She hasn't said anything about what she plans to do next. It's interesting because what she became famous for was a, a quiet act, a, a, not a private act. It made a lot of things public, but it wasn't being out front as an advocate of something. So that would be a phase that getting out of prison is, is totally right. unfamiliar to her. Definitely. She became an activist in a way that she was hoping would be very private. She leaked some information through a private channel that was supposed to be disclosed in a way that wouldn't reveal her identity. The reason she got caught was because she confided in someone she thought was a friend um, in chats over the internet, and that person exposed her. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks, Andy. Culture. Have you ever been followed on Twitter by Brooklyn DIY rock band Shinobi Ninja? Have you ever been unfollowed by the account and then followed again? Has a series of events happened to you more than once, more than twice, over and over again for years? Me too. With over 587,000 followers, Shinobi Ninja's media habits have made it so that thousands of Twitter users, even if they've never heard the band's music, know the name Shinobi Ninja from somewhere. Shinobi Ninja's love of the dual function follow button, not their music, has the band ever so lightly on people's radar. I called up lead singer and guitarist Duke Sims to talk about the band's social media habits and what he thinks about their low-key legendary Twitter status. But our discussion proved to be just as confusing as Shinobi Ninja's social media strategy. Have you ever heard of people being followed and unfollowed by the account? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, how long have you been hearing of this happening? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just social media. You know, you know I don't take it too, uh, too seriously, you know, or too personally. You know what I mean? It's just, just social media. It's not like nothing like we we're at your door ringing your bell. You know what I mean? And delivering you cookies and running away or something. Um, do you know why the following and unfollowing happens? Mm, I don't know. It's a good question. No, nah, it's like you know, social media is it's just a game of reaching people. Uh-huh. You know, so it's like you know, like anything in life, you know, it's just angles. How you how you reach those angles? Mm-hmm. Um, well, what is the band's social media strategy or like approach? Would you say to Twitter? Twitter specifically, I mean, well, for social media, just in general, it's just to reach people. What, do you guys use like a bot or something to follow people on Twitter from your account? You know, I think it's just you know, you know, I guess if you had like a, a label or something for a band, like say like. Uh, 21 pilots or something like that. I mean, those dudes are not going to be using their Twitter account. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there's six of us. So that's 12 hands. You know what I mean? So how do you all decide who you will follow and unfollow? It's just individually what each member is feeling? I don't know if it's as serious as, as, as it is like, you know, who we're going to follow, who we're going to unfollow. It's just a, you know, Twitter has um, parameters, and you have to live within those parameters, just like the Matrix. If you remember the movie The Matrix, um, when they were in the Matrix, they weren't truly in the real world. It was mm-hmm. just the Matrix. It was something that the computers designed. 
Twitter is something that somebody designed, and you have to live within the parameters of that. Do you know what I mean? And that's always yeah. important to understand. Um, cool. Well, um, I found some tweets online, people saying, like, oh, Shinobi Ninja just followed me and unfollowed me again, and um, Shinobi Ninja's street team should unionize for the greater good, and, like, um, Shinobi Ninja follower bought the Dan Smith will teach you guitar of Twitter schemes. What do you think of, like, this kind of infamy that Shinobi Ninja has kind of reached on Twitter for following and unfollowing people? Yeah, the last one is awesome because that's the dude that owns Fool's Gold Records, and he mm -hmm. just put that out yesterday. So mm -hmm. that was a super interesting one, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, I'm sure you know, but in New York, I mean, Dan Smith is, like, a true legend as mm -hmm. far as, like, his promotion and marketing. He's mm -hmm. just the best that there ever was, you know what I mean? And in anything in life, if anybody compares you to the best that there ever was, that's like, that's like uh, playing basketball and being compared to, to Michael Jordan, you know. And it's, it's not negative, you know mm -hmm. what I mean, because it's people actually saying, like, look, you're actually doing your diligence. You know, it's a good thing that people know that, you, that you're working hard towards something, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. the opposite of working hard is, is not working, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so true. Do you guys have, like, an inspiration or, like, someone you look up to as, like, a marketing hero or, like, not, like, hero, but example for you? When I was when I was uh, uh, younger than I am now, right, mm -hmm. um, when I was growing up, um, Mark Echo, I uh, used to be friends with my friend's dad, he used to give us these stickers of the red rhinoceros. And we used to sticker these red rhinoceros stickers everywhere, man. And I remember just doing that when I was really little and then getting older and seeing him become super famous when the stuff was in Macy's and all that stuff and still seeing that red rhinoceros sticker that we had stuck up there, still seeing it on cold and being like, you know what, this is, there's something to this. You know, it's all about just doing the best you can to get all the people to your shows and being as bright as possible and always finding ways to, to be original and be different and to stand out. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you talking to me this morning. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. The future. Last week, a massive ransomware attack infected computers across the world. Since then, blame for the attacks has been spread around, and even North Korea has been implicated. William Turton's been following this story all week. So can you give us the Cliff's Notes version of what actually happened the other day and what this thing is and before we get into more detail? What happened was there was uh, a virus that went around, and it was spreading ransomware, which is pretty typical. Ransomware is locks down your computer, and until you pay a Bitcoin ransom, your files are encrypted and unaccessible. So these hackers want this virus to spread to as many computers as possible so they can make as much money off the ransom as, as possible. And the reason why this attack was un unprecedented was because it utilized an exploit that was designed by the National Security Agency, you know, the agency in the U.S. that carries out a lot of surveillance and does a lot of offensive hacking. It used an exploit that was stolen from the NSA and leaked on the Internet in order to propagate this virus. So it was using a military-grade, high-class cyber exploit in order to infect computers all around the world with this ransomware. I'm sure there's plenty of blame to go around, William, but whose fault is this? A hefty amount of the blame really lies with the NSA. The NSA has decided in order to carry out the surveillance that they conduct around the world that they need to create these extremely potent cyber exploits, right? 
This one, it was called Eternal Blue. It could compromise a lot of Windows machines and, and help spread viruses across a network of Windows machines. But these cyber exploits are so potent that the NSA needs to keep them locked down. The fact that the NSA wasn't doing a good enough job of protecting some of like the most potentially destructive tools that they build, uh, a lot of the blame lies with them. That's fascinating that they created something that they couldn't protect that's this potentially malicious. Right. And it's actually interesting because a lot of governments will make the argument that they should have a golden encryption key uh, that they will use to unlock the phones of bad guys and that they'll keep down and lock safe so no one else gets it. Uh, It kind of damages that argument when one of the most sophisticated agencies in the world loses some of their most valuable hacking tools. Uh, Who else could have done something to prevent this, William? Right. So... Microsoft knew about this high-powered NSA exploit, and a month before it got leaked online, Microsoft wrote up and served a patch for it, something that would protect users against it. So IT departments are responsible for updating machines and keeping them up to date. So if there were any computers that were running the latest operating systems and didn't apply the latest security patches, well, then that's the IT department's fault for not installing them. That's a basic part of their job. And is that what happened in the in the hospitals in the UK? That's what happened in some instances in the hospital in the UK, but this is where Microsoft comes in. A lot of those computers are running Windows XP, which is something that Microsoft doesn't support anymore, and if you want to receive support from Microsoft, you have to pay for a very expensive support package. Uh, so if you wanted to get this special security update for your Windows XP machine, you would have to be forking over a lot of money to Microsoft. Now, after this virus went out and went all over the Internet, Microsoft offered that patch for free. But, you know, the kind of system that Windows has set up where people are running these outdated machines that don't have support anymore leave them vulnerable to hacking. So North Korea has been brought into this in some reports, too, over the last day or so. Can you tell us anything about that? Right. So cybersecurity company Kapersky did some analysis on this special type of virus. And in it, they found code that was linked to a previous hacking group called Lazarus Group that they had also linked to North Korea. Now, doing attribution in cybersecurity and hacking is really, really tough. It's not easy. Um, So... You almost want to take this with a grain of salt, but the fact that Kapersky, which is a generally pretty respected cybersecurity company, is saying there might be links to North Korea is enough to raise an eyebrow. So what is it about ransomware in particular as opposed to just malware that that would interest North Korea to use? So there's a lot of theories as to why North Korea might be connected to this if they are. You know, they, like a lot of other countries, build viruses and and different types of attacks that, you know, they might have wanted to deploy in some other way that ended up getting in the hands of someone else and then was spread across the Internet. Uh, It's it's really hard to say. But, you know, just like most governments around the world, North Korea has uh, cyber operations. Well, it sounds great. We've got Russia and North Korea in our computers (laughs) over here. That's uh, that's comforting. Thank you, William. Cool. Thanks so much. That concludes Dispatch. I'm Andy Martino. See you Monday.